Welcome to the Phenomenal Career Podcast, the show where you hear the how, why and what it takes to build a phenomenal and fulfilling career that stands out. I'm your host, Just Jazz, career success coach and tea lover who believes you can do this work and more with a dose of reality, curiosity, challenge and intention to enable you to show up and go get the growth your career deserves. So good to catch up with you, Elizabeth. Um, So could you just introduce yourself, you know, tell us who you are and and what you, you do? Sure thing. So my name is Elizabeth Bleger. Day to day, I work as a brand and marketing strategist, which in short means someone comes to me with a branding or marketing problem and says, I don't get this. I don't know how to do this. And I try to find a solution to their problem. And it is really as vague as that because it really does vary depending on who I'm speaking to. So that's fun. And in doing that, I work for myself day to day. And on top of that, I also am in the process of co-founding a business called eFitter, which is a technological solution helping making the shopping experience super slick for the modern woman by targeting um, young women who are in their late 20s-ish, I guess the millennial category, so late 20s, early 30s, who just want to make sure that they get their perfect fit online. So yeah, that's a bit about me. I've always kind of done the whole entrepreneurship thing on the side of whatever I'm doing so eFitter is just the latest thing in that cool oh all of those things sound so exciting and um I guess I'd love to know how you found your way to both of them so I guess starting with the the marketing and the strategic work that you do how did you find yourself there and also kind of being self-employed yeah it was really random almost unplanned kind of journey. I probably wouldn't recommend going this direct route, but hey, it kind of worked out for a moment. So back in um, the tail end of last summer, so summer 2019, I knew that I needed a change in terms of my day job. I just wasn't really interested in it anymore. I was working as a startup where my role was more or less to consult for businesses on their customer acquisition. And I just wasn't really into it anymore. There were a lot of growing pains and I just needed a change. So I made a decision that, okay, I'm going to quit this job and I have no idea what I'm going to do next. But before that had happened, I'd kind of started consulting for a friend of mine on the side, um, helping her to market her podcast. And before we knew it, we had like a formalized kind of meeting set up with action points and I was effectively her marketing strategist. So we were just thinking about it and we're like, well, okay, you know, you're doing this thing already. You might as well see if it's something that you can do in the long term. And again, wouldn't really recommend doing that when you quit a job because it's kind of like, okay, you're doing this thing. You need to go and get clients. It's very, very difficult. Um, If I were to do it again, I would have kind of sorted out my client base well, well, well before quitting my job and then had that degree of stability, but I didn't. So once I quit my job, I spent the first, I'd say four months or so experimenting with different ways to get clients on board. So it varied between going to events, speaking at events, sending cold emails, reaching out to existing connections. And they were all, they all worked to varying degrees of success, but by, I guess, about a month and a half ago, I finally got to a point where I was just like, okay, great. You've got a couple of clients. You're getting income. Hallelujah. 
there's one less thing to think about. And then, of course, COVID-19 hits and then throws everything kind of out the window. Wow. So, whoa. As you share your story, I just keep thinking of the word pivot. Yeah. Like, (laughs) from that conversation with a friend and being like, I can do this thing. I just did it. Like, that's it. And I love that your journey started that way, like, for better or worse, because, you know, you have noted this is probably not the best or most fun way to do it. But I like taking taking that action and proving it to yourself Mm -hmm. because I think it's so easy especially for those of us with um entrepreneurial dreams to like conceptualize it and approach it in a very academic way Mm -hmm. when sometimes the biggest push that you need is to just do it and have somebody that's not you say this worked yeah you did it people would pay for this yeah I would pay for this and then it's like oh oh okay (laughs) um (laughs) a lot of the times it literally is that moment of like okay let's try this thing out um so I think that's so so exciting and in terms of just getting that runway with clients and things like that um I don't think people kind of talk about it enough that um even if you are experiencing something, the clients don't come flocking to you. There's a there's a level of business development. There's a level of knocking on doors. Exactly. Lots of knocking on doors, lots of rejection for various reasons. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned pivots because that was definitely the theme of the first three or so months. So that was the tail end of last year where I spent a lot of time thinking, okay, what am I doing right now? What's my strategy is it working? No. Okay. What do I need to do now? And it was just revisiting everything from at the beginning when I first um, started to be self-employed, everything was a bit up in the air. And I felt like in retrospect, the way that I described myself wasn't very clear. So it was very difficult for people to understand what exactly I was selling. So I thought, okay, what do I do to rebrand that to make it a lot clearer? So I did that work. And then it was thinking, okay, what is it about the way that I'm targeting people that isn't getting people to say open my emails or um, buy into it? Why are they saying, oh, we'll pay for it later? So it's always just thinking, okay, mm-hmm. what is it about what I'm offering? Can I tweak slightly? And I, like I said, I've always had this kind of entrepreneurial background for as long as I've been working. And when I was running my previous business, I you know, read all the business books. I was actually on a kind of accelerator of sorts for business people as well for a year so Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about the terminology and the technique and I learned the the importance of pivoting so it meant that when I started doing this I couldn't be too wed into what I was doing I thought okay there are going to be some things that you're going to have to let go that you're going to have to rework in order to get people to pay for your product yeah you know, I'm never going to throw away the theory because I'm a big believer in reading the book, listening to the podcast, doing the course, mm. you know, doing what you need to kind of up level your skills, especially when you're an entrepreneur, because yeah. there is no university for entrepreneurs. You know, there are ones that try, but ultimately exactly. it's your experience that then gives you that sort of title. But a lot of the times you do need to understand the theory because all it does is it, it opens your mind to the possibilities. And it sounds like, that was a legacy of you being part of that accelerator program, like not getting wedded too much to an idea, which is really interesting because, um, you know, you don't even have to have a run a business. You can run a project inside a company 
and get wedded to the idea and somebody comes in and goes I think we should change direction and you're all heartbroken yeah and <laughs> that's the reality of it because it's like this was my baby I had the idea you guys said the idea was good you said that people would pay for the idea mm-hmm. now you're telling me people won't pay for the idea oh my gosh who am I where am I what do I do <laughs> What's going on? Um, <laughs> it's literally that and I feel like the whole world is in that moment and it's quite interesting because somebody posted on LinkedIn the other day a list of the companies that were born out of the 2020 20 the we'll 2008 <laughs> recession mm-hmm. and kind of use that as a testament to kind of say out of these pivots, out of these times, that's where innovation sort of comes, comes through, mm-hmm. you know, it's through these pain points, it's through these binds, it's through these, these shifts where some, you know, we don't operate our businesses in a bubble of this ideal world of just us and all of our perfect customers. Mm-hmm. Like we are beholden and very much connected to the business environment and the world because that's that's what this is it's a pandemic it's it's everybody um so i'd love to kind of use that to maybe link into e-fitter because that sounds like a great and i wouldn't say that that's a pivot that feels almost like an addition i'd love to hear kind of where that idea came from for you e-fitter is a really funny story it's just it's one of those things that makes me really believe in fate and, you know, being where you need to be at the right time. Because if you told me six months ago that this is what would be happening, I would have been like, how, where, why, what, you know, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> so with, um, I guess, to start to understand why I'm involved with eFitter, we have to kind of go back mm-hmm. and talk about my first business. So my first business was something that I came up with the idea of when I was in university. It was called Mod to Measure. And it was an African fashion, not line, but websites where you could kind of design your own garments. And the the idea when I came up with the idea was to have an outfit that would perfectly represent you, meaning the perfect fit, Mm -hmm. distinctly personalized, one of a kind, all of those good things. So... What I soon realized when I launched, and that took a very, very long time to launch because logistically it was a nightmare. <laughs> when, when I launched, I realized that I was trying to do too much in terms of fitting too many niches. So my two main niches were it's African, traditionally African clothing, which is think your brightly colored wax print fabrics. And it's also perfect fits. And in this country, the market for African clothing is not huge, as you can imagine, in that mm. 3% of this country is black. So that is African and Caribbean. And, okay, I wasn't targeting solely black people. In fact, a lot of the people who purchased from me weren't black. But then outside of that, a lot of the people who would want to make those purchases who weren't black would be buying for, you know, festivals and summer events and that kind of thing but they'd have to have a degree of openness to trying something new because that fabric is not really what you would see in the UK unless you're from a certain background so Mm. it was very specific to begin with and then on top of that I'm trying to get the perfect fit but what I realized was if people wanted the perfect fit they didn't necessarily want African clothing but if they wanted African clothing they didn't necessarily want to pay the premium for getting like a bespoke tailored fit on casual clothing so Mm. soon after I was like okay let's just scrap this fit thing let's just focus on making good quality one of a kind pieces and that's what I did um I closed to measure not long after I started working for myself as a brand and marketing strategist because it was in short, a lot more work than what I was getting out of it. It was, it was a lot of work mm. and 
it didn't really yield the results that it should have done. So I just thought, okay, I have to call it quits. And that was tough because, again, like you said, Motomeja was my baby. It was the first ever idea that I had. Prior to that, I was never the person who said, oh, I want to start a business. I want to be an entrepreneur. I was never that person. So I think we just need to get that out of the open. <laughs> I'm, I was not the person who was like, oh, I want to run my own business. It was never that. It, was, it just came from need. I saw a gap in the market that I wanted and then kind of did some research, turned out some other people wanted it too and built something. And that's kind of where the whole entrepreneurship bug came from. So fast forward to eFitter and what had happened was someone I knew from sixth form, she started posting some really interesting findings about what's going on in the world of tech and fashion on her Instagram page. And I knew them from sixth form, but we weren't we weren't friends, but obviously, you know, you keep in touch with people via social media, which is great because it means that you're able to follow up with people you wouldn't normally do so with. So she would post these findings and I would often comment because at the time I was working in that space where I was working in the tech company where a lot of my clients were fashion companies and I could kind of just provide a bit of an insight into some of the questions she may be asking or some of the things that she was interested in. It was just nice to have that kind of conversation. And then she messaged me and said, oh, I'm going to start a podcast on this. Are you interested? And I was like, "Mm, no, not sure about that. Um, I'm not. I know it sounds really ironic considering I'm on a podcast right now and I run a podcast right now. But (laughs) I've never been the person to do things like podcasts, videos, anything putting myself out there is just very much outside of my comfort zone. So when she suggested it, I was kind of like, mm, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I need to think about it. But I talked about it, met up with her. And we had a chat about it, what she wanted to do with it. And I was like, okay, you know what? This sounds cool. But tell me more about Ethita as a brand and what you imagine for it to be. And at the time, it was very early on. So it was actually a little bit different to what we're building at the moment. And she explained what the vision was and what she would really love to do. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. I think just hearing this, there's a lot that I feel like I could offer. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm down for your podcast, but I'm, I also want in on eFitter. And she was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I was just like, yeah, you know, why not? And she was really open to it because she had admitted at the time that this is a vision that she had, but she just had no idea where to start. And I think Mm. this is where it was beneficial, not only to have worked at the company that I worked at because it was in a similar industry, but also in terms of starting my own business, just having a feel for what the motions are and what you need to do in order to get that up and running. So that was it. Like, you know, we met up, someone I hadn't seen in about, I don't know, five, six years. We met up and had a quick chat. And then before we knew it, we were working on a business together. And that was it. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, and more wow. <laughs> literally, timing. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally that. And it's so funny, actually, listening to you. And people say it as a joke, but they're like, finding your co founder is very much like finding a romantic partner. Like, mm-hmm. it, it always ends up having some twists and turns. Like, it ends up being the stuff of movies where yeah. it's just kind of like, who knew? World is small. <laughs> Never would have thought. And then it's like, fast forward five years later, and it's, you know, voila, here, yeah. here we are working together on this vision and, uh, you know, on this this 
product that you want to bring into the market. So that's so interesting to to sort of hear. Um, yeah. And you mentioned comfort zones. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to know, like, because as I heard you kind of say, you know, not in your comfort zone and stuff, like doing podcasts and things like that. Do you think as entrepreneurs, we're allowed to have comfort zones? No. <laughs> in short, no. <laughs> because, uh, no. So my co-founder and I, in terms of our values, we're very similar, which is mm-hmm. ideal, which is great. And I guess to some degree in terms of personality as well, in the sense that on the spectrum of introversion and extroversion, I kind of land right in the middle. And in practice, that how that plays out is some days I'm super extroverted. I need to be in the room, you know, working the room. And on other days, it's just a lot of energy and I just kind of need to sit in the room by myself and work through things on my own without the aid of other people. And I guess to some degree, my co-founder is probably more so on the introversion spectrum. And what that Mm. means is when it comes to having to do the things that we're doing at the moment, which is just getting the brand out there, putting ourselves out there. Every time we do it, we have a conversation where we're like, oh my gosh, we're really going to have to do this. I don't really want to do this, but we're going to have to do this. And it's necessary in order for the business to grow. So um, I think it was our third podcast episode, which was in celebration of International Women's Day, where we spoke a lot about our business model and also what it's like to work together as um, female co-founders and just the whole process. And we're talking about how it's like being married and raising a child where sometimes you're going to have to do things that you don't really want to do, but you know it's the best thing for your child. For example, you may have to ground them because they've done something wrong, or you may have to stay up that little bit extra and help them with a particular, particularly difficult part of their homework. You know, It's not something you want to do, but it's something you have to do, and it's necessary for the growth of the business. So I think as time goes on, I, I'm still aware of what my comfort zone is, but to some degree it's expanding, but also we just don't have the luxury of saying, okay, I'm not comfortable doing this. I'm not going to do it because otherwise the mm-hmm. things that need to get done just won't get done. That's so true. That's so, so true. And I love that you kind of, you know, it's having awareness of where it is because I think it can be so easy as an entrepreneur to kind of get your head down and do the work and, throw yourself into all of these things and not give you a moment to be like, this time last year, I never would have done that. Yeah. Like, yay for me. <laughs> like, you know, and not even in like, not in a passionizing way, like, not is it, but legit, I mean, yeah. pour yourself a glass of wine, treat yourself to a bowl of ice cream, uh, whatever your uh, pandemic pandemic pampering looks like. Definitely. But just to time. take a moment. <laughs> oh, Bailey's. Oh yeah, I love it, Bailey's. <sighs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Tangent. Coming back. (laughs) Coming back. No more Bailey's daydreams. But yeah, it's a take a moment to realise that. Because if if you were working for other people, you would have a moment at least once a year where it's like, so how have you up-leveled yourself? Mm -hmm. What are you bringing to the table this year round? And it's like you're bringing so much more without realising it just because you don't don't actually have time to dilly-dally. And it's quite funny because it's... um, I think it's one of those things that they don't tell you when it comes to doing a business. You kind of get sold the dream that you can outsource everything if you make enough money, Mm. but they don't tell you that the journey to making enough money to do that involves you doing it. And in fact, if you listen to a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs, um, 
by society standards, they kind of praise the process of them DIYing a lot of the stuff. Oh, absolutely. So that when it came to hiring, they knew exactly what they were looking for. And I think that was so interesting, just hearing your journey with your business, you know, focusing on customer acquisition, marketing, strategy, and like applying all of that to your own business Mm -hmm. to figure out what it is. Like, what do I need to tweak in my messaging? What do I need to tweak in the branding so that people understand how they can A, find me and then give me money for what I do really well. So thank you so much for sharing your journeys to, to what you are doing now. And I guess, you know, transitioning into full-time entrepreneurship. So I guess if you were to bring us up to date, now you know what are you working on or what is the pivot that you have in mind now that we're, we're in this pandemic so about I guess the second week of March or so so um in the UK we weren't really in lockdown until around the last, last week of March but from the beginning of March mm-hmm. we could kind of sense that oh you know it's about to go down we should probably try to sort <laughs> some stuff out and I remember I went to an event right at the beginning of March, um, 4th of March, and it was in celebration of International Women's Day. And I knew when I went, mm. I was like, this is the last event I'm going to go to for a while because things are about to get crazy. And I was invited to this event by somebody who I'd contacted because I wanted to get involved. And in the end, she just said, oh, well, you know, we've done our planning, but how about you come along? And it was just the timing could not have been better. So for context, it was a really small event, um, women of all ages, but I was, I guess, by far the youngest in the room. A lot of the women were self-employed. A lot of them were life coaches. So a lot of them did similar things to you or um, were or ran their own businesses or were, I don't know, C-suite in very successful businesses. So it was nice mm. to be in a room like that where everyone was still so warm. And I remember that was this one particular speaker, um, Barbara Armstrong, where she spoke about her experience where she was CEO of many successful companies for many years. And she would go to these events and speak about her experience at these events, but at the same time feel like there was something seriously missing and that her idea of success didn't match what society's idea of success was. Because obviously being a black woman who is a CEO of companies, and this is maybe like Mm. 20 years ago, that's a big deal. So to society, she's an overwhelming success, but she didn't feel like she was doing what she should have been doing. So she kind of sat down, reflected and pivoted massively and started to run her own businesses and focus more on doing what makes her happy and feel well rather than, okay, you know, you're making X billion amount or X million amount of um, pounds for this company. So she said all of this. And at that point in time, I was feeling really low because I think it was uh, earlier that week, there was one particular partnership that I had with a client that was meant to happen this summer that I was really, really looking forward to that fell through. And it was going Mm. to be like, it was, it was going to be great. So, and we'd done a lot of planning for it. So I was feeling a little bit low about it and I was thinking, okay, this was one of the main things that was keeping me um, kind of attached to doing what I was doing in the long term because it was in summer. So it meant that I'd have to do what I have to do to, um, I guess, take part in this event, which is week long in the summer. So since that's fallen through, I'm kind of like, um, okay, what now? Do I need to still be working for myself? You know, can I quit? Should I quit? Is it quitting? All of those questions. And when I heard her, I spoke to her afterwards and I was just like, okay, this feels really timely because I kind of just feel like I'm at this crossroads as well. 
and she just gave she just gave it to me real she was like look <laughs> like I, I run my own business and I have done for years but that hasn't stopped me from taking additional actual paying jobs salaried jobs when I need to do that and it doesn't mean that you failed and it doesn't mean that you're quitting or anything it means that you're being smart and doing what needs to be done and I was just like yeah actually you know why would I not do this it doesn't really make any sense at this point so at that point I was like okay I need to think what do I want to do next um, I was thinking about eFitter as well. And one of the benefits of working on eFitter as opposed to my first business is I've got a wealth of experience in comparison to when I was doing it before. And it just felt mm. a lot easier and a lot more natural. And I was thinking, okay, if I get back into full-time salaried work, then it would be even easier because I'll still continue to learn a lot more on the job. So let's think, okay, what do you want to be doing? So I started to brainstorm the kind of work that I'd want to be doing what would be the most valuable things to do for me and I started to look at a couple of applications not properly applying but just thinking okay this is what I want to do then the following week so this is now like the second week of March everything kind of started to crumble so this is when companies started to work from home and one of the clients I worked with for not a very long time but was definitely looking like a long-term one unfortunately had to let me go because you've got to be thinking about how your business is going to survive in this period. And it was just, it was a necessary thing to do. So at that point I anticipated, okay, this is not going to be good because these businesses are wondering how they're going to survive. There is no way that they're going to pay for a consultant at this point to help with marketing Mm -hmm. and branding when there is no one to market and brand to. So I thought, okay, this is a disaster. So that week, everything started to just drop. And then by the end of the week, there was nothing. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. I don't know what I'm doing, but we have got to do something. So I thought, okay, um, there's no point like crying over spilt milk because everybody's in the same position right now. Even my clients are in the same position. So, you know, Mm. I just need to figure out how to make this thing work. And for me, that was just like, okay, I need to see if I can continue producing content, which is something that I like to do on my Instagram and just, make a conscious effort to job hunt and then obviously that starts and then you see people starting to stop um hiring processes and rescind offers and all of that crazy stuff that you see as you're approaching a recession and it's just like oh okay kind of scary but we'll make it work so at the moment that's kind of where I am where I'm definitely looking at getting back into full-time work and I know what I want to be doing I know that it has to be tech focused I know it has to be people focused Mm -hmm. because if I'm going to build a business I need to know the industry but also know how to manage people so Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of in that process at the moment which is very very tough considering the timing but you know everyone's kind of in that position so we just got we've got to make it work at the end of the day yeah and I definitely like I admire you for that because it's it's very easy to think that when somebody says to you that they've had to take full time work contracts, part time work or whatever during the same process of running a business that they mean going to get a job in Tesco's. Yeah, exactly. And or even, that they mean to you know go straight towards the whatever gets you the cold hard cash Mm -hmm. um when a lot of the times there is an opportunity to be more strategic with it and to be quite intentional with it because ultimately at this point it's your time 
Yeah. You know, I think you get to a certain point in your career in general, but also especially as a business owner where you show up to work for more than just the paycheck. So it's, will I get a chance? Will I get exposure to different projects? Will I get exposure to working with different clients? Will I be able to be updated on the latest technologies? Will I be invited to networking events? I might not be under my own banner. Um, And this is never a bad thing. So like I say that to anybody who's an employer listening, to be fair, that's the type of employee that you need because they will know that they should deliver the results for you as well as they are upskilling in this way and vice versa whatever they learn in their business they're bringing into your business so it's so it's a win-win but ultimately you end up with a staff member who is engaged and who knows may you know continue to work when we're out of this may turn around and say look I can continue with you guys two days a week because mm-hmm. you know the project still runs and I love what we're doing here and I believe in the work and stuff like that so I think it's so important with any kind of pivot to still give yourself permission to be strategic with it, to be thoughtful about it. Um, and then again, if the thoughtful doesn't work, then that's fine. You, you gave it your shot, you sent your CV to those places, you, you know, you set up the alerts and then, you know, if you're in the coffee, well, it's not a coffee shop, uh, grocery stores are the, the places that I know that are hiring at the moment with the exception of a few tech companies. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of going towards that. I think it's so important and and so admirable to be intentional like that. I think it's so funny that you mentioned this because what I'd also learned during this period of, I guess, self-employment and building my own business or small side business, I guess, is that a lot of people in the same position as me go ahead and take those jobs, you know, working in supermarkets, working in bars, working Mm -hmm. anything part-time, and no one ever speaks about it. And I was just like, yeah. I was talking to someone the other day and they had done something similar where they had gone out and decided to consult on the side whilst they were on an accelerator. And they were like, oh yeah, you know, I was just working at Tesco or whatever. And I was just like, wait, this is a thing, you know? No one ever <clears throat> talks about this. So it also means that people end up in a position where when they're tight for cash or they just need that consistent income, they feel away. They feel like, oh, you know, X, Y, Z, oh, people don't do this. What I'm doing right now yeah. is out of the ordinary or I'm failing or whatever, not knowing that people do in fact take part-time jobs while they're building their name and building their business. So I think that's also yeah. the reason why I've tried to make a conscious effort to talk candidly about everything that happens because people need to know the reality and they need to know that they're not failing if they're doing what everyone else does, but they just choose to talk about the sunshine and rainbows as opposed to the, the grind, the yes, hard work. Exactly that. Um, and I think this thing has humbled us as a society to realise that, yes, the employment, the unemployment rates are high, but they've been high for a lot of people for a long time. Mm. People have been doing what they need to do to survive um, for, for years and, and decades and centuries and attaching some sort of shame towards it because it's not glamorous. Yeah. It's silly. And it doesn't, it doesn't help anyone. Like mm. I know, even if it's the money aside, I know somebody who said, look, I've worked out what my minimum expenses is. I don't have clients yet. I don't want them yet because I'm not ready. So I'm going to get a job that doesn't use my brain. It maybe uses my physical energy, but it doesn't use much of my brain so that I can get home and work on my business. Or somebody who wants it vice versa, where they're like, my job is so so physically intense like what I do that is quite a nice break to kind of have my little temp um my temp roles kind of rolling as a receptionist Mm. or an administrator and stuff like 
that people kind of do what fits i think you know hey uh, hmrc have the facts let's put it that way mm-hmm. in terms of what people are doing over the course of the period and even though it may look like all um glitz and glamour on on the timeline a lot of the times it is that a lot of people will have that thing that they know that they can do you know there's somebody that i follow on instagram and she's a cleaner so that when she's not cleaning rich people's houses she's running her creative empire there we go and she makes no bones about it yeah you will see all of that on her feed you'll see a photo shoot one day and then you'll see her and her marigolds the next and she's just like it's real i don't want to sell anybody dreams because Mm. i think especially when you speak with the younger generations about career aspirations and things there's a lot of them that want to be entrepreneurs but I never really clued into the, the facts of it. You know, it's like, I want to be a content creator and get millions of views on YouTube and make my money that way. Okay. But in terms of that, that resilience muscle, in terms of that actually being a business around it, do you have, how are you going to learn the skills to do that mm. out the gate? Is that possible? If not, be real with yourself about the internships or the shadowing or the mentoring that you will need to get there because it is more than what you see um on the screen we we've kind of been humbled into being transparent because now people are are literally on linkedin saying hey here is a spreadsheet i found a spreadsheet this week Mm -hmm. the company shared a spreadsheet of details of people that they've had to rescind their offer to Mm -hmm. that are absolutely amazing and said here's their details here's their skill set they are amazing we were going to hire them if we could afford to so we want you guys to be able to pick that up you know please give these people an opportunity because we unfortunately can't our hands are tied Mm. so yeah being candid is so 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 important and you mentioned content creation so one thing that I I absolutely enjoy and love about Elizabeth she does whatever she wants (laughs) and follow Elizabeth online you will see her full self <laughs> and I'm so here for it um so you know t- tell us I'll let you tell it what will we find if we can with you online Ooh, okay so um if I open my Instagram now my header says pole dancer e-fitter rap business babe strategy marketing branding so I guess that's it like I, I kind of just do whatever I want on my Instagram before I started working for myself I did not use Instagram very often because I didn't really like well I always had the thing about taking photos I was never a big fan of taking photos so you probably won't find many photos of me under the age of or between the ages of about six and eighteen so I didn't really wow. use... <laughs> you cut that off early it's just like we are not <laughs> taking any no more not happening okay uh-uh. Yeah, I'm seven and I'm telling you what to do. Uh-uh. That's it. That's it. I'm <laughs> done with it. So I had a thing about photos. I had Instagram because um, it seemed like a nice app to have to kind of chronicle certain things, but that was about mm-hmm. it. And then when I started to work for myself, or actually a bit before that, I would post a few videos of me practicing pole dancing. So I pole dance. And the reason I posted the videos to begin with was so that I could visually track my progress. So to this Mm. day, I can scroll back and I'm looking at a video from 2016 and I was just like, oh my God, I thought I was so amazing. And it's just like, where are your pointed toes? This is not it. But it's great. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's great because you can see the progress and you can also think, oh, yeah, I want to revisit this thing. And what I found is people were very bought into that. People would message me and be like, oh, my gosh, it's so great to see your progress. It's so inspiring. There have been people who say they started pole dancing because they saw my videos. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. So it was just for that purpose. And then when I started to work for myself, I thought, okay, I need to build a name for myself as a thought leader in my space. So I used mm-hmm. Instagram to do that a lot by um, taking picture of, pictures of myself when I went to events, but also kind of starting discussion points about certain things about starting business or marketing or even things that are happening in that space now. So for example, I may write about the fact that you just need to take your time and you know, progress takes time practically speaking I may write about um, ways you can support your friend of the side hustle without buying their product if you're not into that or Mm. even new features that are being launched on social media and again I do that because people are interested in that kind of thing and they will share it and it builds your position as somebody who knows what they're talking about in that space so in doing that I felt pressure I felt like I had to update my Instagram a lot more and I also had the question right at the beginning do I combine my personal life with what I'm doing in business and then I thought about it and in terms of my own business it's self-titled it's my name it's me so if people are buying anything they're buying into me and my personality so I have Mm. to include my travels and the fact that I pole dance and all that kind of thing because it is a big part of me so I was very careful in thinking, okay, I need to be transparent. I need to be honest about all the things I'm doing. And I think the reception has been positive, which is great. People are into that. Um, People have asked me, oh, so have you got any interest or any clients or any kind of event stuff from your Instagram? And I have. So I've had um, people approach me for events from my Instagram, which is great. Um, I had one recently that got cancelled, which is really annoying. <laughs> but, um, but it happened. It, it, it happened, you know. They reached out. <laughs> well, it happened. So, and it's cool because people won't normally associate Instagram with brand building. They normally go straight to LinkedIn. And mm. I'm not a fan of LinkedIn for a number of reasons. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> but also, <laughs> if I'm marketing myself as a branding and marketing strategists targeting millennials and Gen Z, I kind of have to be where those people live so that if I'm talking to potential clients, they can see this and be like, okay, yeah, you know, you know what you're talking about because you are where millennials and Gen Z live. So yeah, that's kind of how it ended up happening. Again, it's something that's a bit out of my comfort zone. So you'll notice that Mm -hmm. in the recent weeks since COVID-19, I haven't posted as often. And I think... The main reason for that is I've been a little bit uninspired because everything seems to be at a standstill and I don't want to spend my days talking about COVID-19, but it's the reality. But also because there was a part of me thinking, hmm, is it worth it right now? Do I Should I be creating this content if I'm looking at pivoting into full-time work? Could, I, could my time be better spent doing something else? But I need to get back into it. I need to you know people are still interested people still want to talk about something other than COVID-19 so I'm going to do that I started a blog and it's (laughs) it's kind of just um disappeared so I kind of want to revive that a little bit as well but aside from that with eFitter um if you check out the eFitter Instagram page so it's eFitter app 
Uh, my co-founder mm-hmm. does a lot of the work on that, but we mm-hmm. collaborate to kind of generate the content and, you know, we'll send interesting articles across and so on and so forth. So a lot of the content creation happens there. And a lot of it is also yeah. in the podcast. And that is time consuming. And it, it's a lot. Creating content is a lot. But these people who do this day to day on their Instagram for a living, I have a huge amount of respect for them because it takes a lot of planning. It's a lot of work to just kind of continuously spew out content and worthwhile content at that. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of how I ended up doing what I'm doing there. Wow. I think it's so important that you kind of walked us through the moving pieces because it's so important to highlight you know when you look at somebody you may think that they are all these things all the time which at the core they are but you know that you can't run five Instagram accounts while still actually working on an actual real business that goes beyond the connection and the relationships that you're building online um it's about kind of taking it one step at a time so like okay turning it down on instagram a bit but amping it up on the blog and being like oh yeah that thing yeah let's do it um i think that's so important to like um to remember i i said it to somebody the other day i said you have the same amount of hours in your day within this pandemic that you did outside of it Mm -hmm. so don't feel like all of a sudden because you are at home and inside more that somehow there's this 48 hour day it's just it's just not the truth it's not the case so taking time with ourselves is is so 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 important even more so now that we we live a bit of a limited lifestyle should I say um, and I, I want to go back to it because you touched on it really briefly and I'm very, very curious. LinkedIn, your thoughts. <sighs> I feel like my thoughts about LinkedIn are a bit controversial for the space that I'm in because people expect me to worship LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Link, lead gen, all that great stuff. <laughs> I go on LinkedIn and I just find it very draining. I feel... Like sometimes people are very self-indulgent and it's just like, oh my God, I've been through all these struggles. And I think um, we touched on this earlier, which is the importance of being transparent about the journey that you're going on. But there is transparency and being honest about it. And then there is like, oh my God, look at me making it through all of this stuff that you haven't made it through. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's journey has got their struggles. And I don't believe in comparing experiences because what may be minor to you may be life-changing to somebody else. So mm-hmm. it just comes across as very up themselves and ultimately not very helpful. Though I will caveat that and say what we're seeing in the last few weeks with the pandemic is people being extremely helpful, people being um, very community-focused. So I've seen everything from like those spreadsheets that you've mentioned where people are just writing lists of people who they would have otherwise hired where you can pass it around i've seen spreadsheets where they're like okay these are the companies that are hiring at the moment um check those out people are just being very um just helpful honestly i I love the community feeling that is being fostered but i'm also a bit skeptical that once this is over everyone's going to kind of forget about it and then go back to their typical ways of being just very up themselves (laughs) in terms of (laughs) self-promotion Um, but yeah, in terms of the whole lead gen thing, I find LinkedIn quite difficult to promote what I'm doing because, like I said, it's not the platform that my clients would be using if they were working with me. And I feel like the yeah. best way to show what I'm able to do is by using something that I that 
that is native to those clients in terms of building reach and building um, engagement and all those things. Also, there are an awful lot of people who are doing very similar things on LinkedIn and I'm yet to figure out what gains traction in terms of posts. I think it's a bit confusing because um, you may post something that is very much full of substance one day and then post something fairly similar the next and it gets absolutely no reach. So I think it might just be a personal difficulty where I'm not entirely sure how to get how to make the most of it at this point. Um, I see the value from a job hunting perspective, absolutely. So I'm using it a lot more. But in terms of just growing my own personal business at the moment, I'm not I'm not bought in. I'm glad I asked you that question because I agree with a lot of your points. Mm-hmm. I think I think that people will go back to normal after this. Like yeah. LinkedIn has become so I enjoy LinkedIn. I found it as a job hunter mm-hmm. in my work as a career coach. It's a great place to get people to engage with my content. Um, I find I get a few more eyeballs on it than I would maybe on Instagram. But again, it swings and roundabouts. It's like some of those I, eyeballs are my ideal customer and others aren't. Mm. Um, it is a very much like, look at the list that I made and look at my article in Forbes and look at my, you know. Yeah. It is very much that. It's very shouty, I think. Yes. That's the word that I want to use. Exactly. It's not a real word, but it, it is very much that. And there's very few thought leaders who will share the highs, lows, the in-betweens, the opinion pieces, the thought leadership. You know, the genuine content that I would give my email address to subscribe to. Yeah. There are a few people that I connect with on LinkedIn that I'm like, you're always bringing me something edifying and food for thought. So I definitely agree with it in that sense. And I think when it comes to growing your business and customer acquisition, it's about going to where your audience is. So, you know, I'm going to be the first person and a lot of people will tell you when you start a business, don't feel that you need to be on every social platform Mm. because it's impossible. The people that you see on every platform, they have a team. That's not them. So with people kind of saying, oh, you need to be on, oh, you need to get on LinkedIn for what you need to get on LinkedIn. It's just like, well, if you're getting results, just being on Instagram or being on Pinterest, like Pinterest. Mm. I hear it's amazing for coaches. I can't figure it out. Mm. And part of that I know down to the fact that I am so embedded in Instagram mm-hmm. um, that it feels it's a, it's, a, it's a pivot that's uncomfortable. But again, actually note to self, not allowed comfort zone. For yeah, that, just. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it's that sort of thing. But it's just like, okay, where, where are my people? Where are my tribe? And it's just like, okay, at the moment they're on Instagram. If they go somewhere else, then I might follow them there. I also might not. Mm. TikTok looks fun. I first learned about TikTok from my nine-year-old <laughs> cousin. So I was like, this is not my network. No. <laughs> okay. And then the pandemic hit and then TikTok is for everybody. And I'm still just like, it's still not my network yeah and also again people repost onto instagram i think Mm. we're spoiled if you live your life if you live if you run your business or you indulge in content on instagram you're spoiled because people just take screenshots of their tweets and put it there or take screenshots exactly so i don't know it's what to say but i would say i would add on to your point in terms of linkedin and my 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 interesting relationship with them i i I, I love them for being the place to build a professional brand, get the job, network, find mentors. Mm-hmm. But they are pretty ring-fenced in. And like you said, I can 100% relate to there not being any sort of proven strategy for winning. You just have to – the people that I know that do well, the people that just throw stuff at the wall 
over and over and over again. And if your time is precious and you don't have time to just churn out content for the sake of it, then it's probably not the best platform. You know, if you think of if you think of running your own business and even as, as a solopreneur, you know, I look at my marketing spend mm. and that can include everything from the thing that I use to send my emails to the stock image subscription that I have mm-hmm. um, down to when I decide to do Instagram ads, what's the return on that? And in the same breath, to a certain extent, I am my marketing department. Yeah. So if I'm spending hours creating content that is actually only appropriate for LinkedIn and I'm not getting any bites, then, you know, if, if I split myself in two and one half of me was the employee and the other half was the employer, employer me would be, what are we doing here? Yeah. Because it's been months and we haven't got any results. Can, can, can we spend our time doing something else? <laughs> that has a little bit of a science to it. And I don't know whether it's like, I work in data and I think also, you know, you're a strategist at heart. So mm-hmm. for you, it's like, I want to figure out the playbook, like the repeatable strategy that I can then tweak and, and really mold to the different clients. So it's a different beast in that sense. And the numbers do um, matter. They really do. So um, even on Instagram, so I mostly use Instagram because I'm lazy and it's easy. And what I found <laughs> is even though my core markets may not necessarily be on Instagram, if I direct them to the Instagram, they'll find something that is interesting there. But also you can see the level of engagement. So even though for some people likes are hidden, you can see comments, you can see how people communicate with you. And I think that's more important than anything. With LinkedIn, mm. I can post something and get thousands and thousands of views. But if I'm getting three comments, ultimately, you know, or three people who are mm. engaging with it, it doesn't so really... who read? And yeah. also, are you getting what I call the, the family like? Or it's like, oh, she's posted. Oh, let's just give an emoji. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, you read the post? No, you didn't. <laughs> I just posted it because I, I want to support. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, I don't think so, to be honest, because I don't, um, I very much do separate LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is very much my business network. So Mm. um, in terms of just close friends and family, I probably have close friends on there, but there are a lot of industries that you don't need LinkedIn as much. So I have friends who work with the NHS in various spaces and they just don't use it as much. Um, Mm. The only person or the only people really who are close to me who engage in LinkedIn a lot are my brother and my sister-in-law. And even then, they won't give me the likes when I need them sometimes. <laughs> Hello. Did you see this? No, I can so send you the link to this. <laughs> but I, I'm okay with that, you know, because ultimately what I do um, frequently comment on, especially people who are starting small businesses, is yeah. your friends and your family are not necessarily your market. So you shouldn't be messaging them saying, oh, can you like my post? Can you retweet my thing? Unless it's part of a competition or something. Because then you're yeah. It's not sincere. You're not actually doing any more in terms of reaching your target market. All you can do and all you should do is target your post um, so that it's specific enough that the people who belong to your market respond to it. And that's it. Mm. You know, if your friends and family don't respond to it, that's fine. It just means that they're probably not the market for your product. But there are other things yeah. you can do to help support. So important. And Elizabeth already said she's got a post on that. So follow her on Instagram. What's your handle? It is underscore leggy. So B-L-E-G-G-Y underscore. So underscore the beginning, underscore the end. Awesome. Follow 
her on Instagram to get the posts on how you can support the entrepreneurs around you without spending a dime. Edie. So I just want to round up a little bit because you've had a journey, you're on a journey, so many nuggets. And I'd just love to know, you know, as we talk here today, what is the biggest lesson from this journey so far? Ooh, okay. <laughs> I feel like this changes almost daily. I think... That's what I was just like, as we sit here today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now, at this moment. Um, I think the biggest lesson... I've learned just in terms of entrepreneurship and just in my career as well has been ask, always ask, ask for things because the worst thing that can happen is they say no. So um, that's often something that we all struggle with because we don't want to be seen as too needy or we want to let people know that we can do it all by ourselves, but it's just not practical. It's just not realistic. We need help. And for me in practice, what that has meant is asking for pay rises when I'm in work and saying, hey, I've got the receipts. This is the work that I have done. I deserve this pay rise. (laughs) Or um, asking to be part of events, which more often than not is successful. I mean, even in the times when it hasn't been, like I mentioned in that event I went to, they gave me a free ticket and said, hey, you know, just be in the room. And it was just so valuable. Um, But also asking your friends to support where possible or if you really need something. So a perfect example Mm -hmm. of this is, at eFitter, we entered a competition with Starling Bank um, a couple of weeks ago. I think we actually entered it two days before the deadline, which was a bit misguided considering what the competition was. And the competition was open for about six weeks or so. And the wow. aim was to get... <laughs> we won <Challenge>. there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the aim was to get into the top 10 of engagement. So people could post a picture of themselves in their working environment on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And you just need to get in the top 10 in terms of engagement. So we're posting this thing um, a day and a half before the deadline. And we're just like, oh, okay, you know, challenge accepted. And we just kind of went out on an all out drive and said, everyone, if you have Twitter, if you, I mean, was it Twitter? Yeah. If you have Twitter, if you have a burner account, whatever it is, please retweet and like this thing. And it worked and we got in the top 10. And it was like, if we didn't make that effort to go out and ask, especially as Twitter is not actually our main platform for eFitter, we just thought strategy-wise, we'll probably get the most eyes on the post because of the way retweets work. If we didn't ask, it wouldn't have happened. So, so it's just ask for anything you need because worst thing that can happen is they say no. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's an amazing lesson, nugget of wisdom. And then to super duper close, we're going to do a little bit of word association because I love a bit of word association. I'm excited for this because I have no idea like what this this involves. (laughs) So essentially, I'm going to say a word and you're just going to say what comes to mind when I say the word. Okay. Um, And I've got a few words here. Don't think about it too much. You know, just go with the flow as we sit here. So I will start off. uh, First word, travel. Adventure. (laughs) Do I need to like, oh, I was like, I don't know if I need to expand or. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to just keep going. Okay, cool. Africa. Africa is the next word. Home. Comfort zone. Uh, (laughs) Non-existent. Pivot. Constant. 
COVID. Oh, <laughs> that's my word. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I don't even have words. I just, yeah, I don't have words. It's horrible. It's just, in all aspects, it's horrendous. But it will end. So that's all we can look forward to at this point. Definitely. And I guess my last word association, 2020. A mystery. Yeah. Because it's, it's April and obviously everything's been on lockdown for about a month. But we don't know what everything's going to look like in two months' time. So, so very true. Yeah, we never know. Well, that's the end of my word association. Those are my words. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation. I enjoyed it so much. Thanks so much, Dan. Please let us know where we can find you. Sure thing. So Instagram at underscore B-L-E-W-G-Y underscore um, also check out eFitter. I realised in this conversation, I don't think I ever properly explained what the product is going to be. Like I kind of like touched on it, but um, it's basically going to be something that's built into your whatever clothing website that you use that will generate your size based on your previous purchases. We have a podcast called The Fit. So check it out wherever you listen to your podcasts and check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at eFitter. So E-F-I-T-T-E-R at app amazing well i'm going to put all of those links in the show notes so you guys please be sure to click through and check them out and connect with some of that good content that we discussed have a great week thanks for listening to this week's episode of the phenomenal career podcast where you hear the how why and what it takes to build a career that stands out Don't forget to leave a review and reach out on social media to let us know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Did you also know you can work with me to create your own phenomenal career through coaching in the Career Clubhouse? You can even invite me to work with your whole team through group coaching and interactive workshops. Check the links in the show notes for more info. As ever, I wish you nothing less than a phenomenal career.